Amen. Awesome. It's good to have you in the house this morning. As mentioned, I'll be preaching this morning. Um, I honor my spiritual mom and dad just for giving me the opportunity to, to take the altar. I don't take it lightly. Um, as you can see, Apostle Job won't just give anybody the mic. And purposefully so. Amen. So I'm honored this morning to be able to minister to you. I'm trusting God to do something powerful in your life and in mine. Um, there's something stirring in my spirit. Amen. And I believe that as we release this word today, I'm trusting God that you come with your faith connected to mine so that we can break this morning. Sure, since anointing. I'm trusting God to break some stuff in this place this morning. Father, we thank you. And we can gather around your word, Lord. We thank you this morning that you pour out revelation upon your people. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts, to our minds. Break every stronghold, Lord God, that is keeping us in bondage and deliver us in this season. Our desire is to walk in the new that you've ordained for this house, O oh God. And I thank you that none will be left behind in this season, Father God, but every single person is transitioning with you and going into the spaces, the places, the spheres that you've assigned for them. I thank you, Lord, that as I minister today, I decrease you, increase, Lord. Speak through me, Father, so that your word can go through unhindered by any outside force. And that it can produce the harvest that you desire to see in your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen, amen. As you know, this week is Palm Sunday, amen. It's Palm Sunday. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, uh, from where I come from, amen, it's a, it's a very religious vibe you know what i mean uh the church that i went to and i'm not gonna say anything uh they give you like a, a little cross that's made in the palm in the palm branches you know what i mean and you come in and it's got a little stepped even in the holy water kind of vibe you know what i mean to make that thing so special um but i had no clue for all the years that i went there what palm sunday was actually about amen and sometimes what we have to understand is that even though you might transition into a state of being born again, receiving revelation, receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's so many things that we have to unlearn. Amen? We're eager to learn, but there's so many things that we need to unlearn. I had a conversation with another guy uh, two or three weeks back, and I said, and he's about 30, 38, 36 or whatever he is, uh, just a little bit older than me. Um, By faith. Come on. And um, I just sat him down and I said, listen, man, let me tell you something now. I know that you've got an issue with this Christian thing. And not because this person is against it, but more for the fact of what they've been through in church. And I said, everything that you know up until now, I'm going to make a bold statement. I'm going to tell you it's wrong. And I could actually say it with confidence. Because I know I come from the wrong. Amen. And there's no person. There's no person near me. There is no person that if they must have a true encounter with Jesus, could ever say no to him. There is just no person. Atheists have tried to prove the Bible wrong and have come to a point where they themselves had to repent. Because you cannot engage with love like that and not be changed or touched in any way, form or fashion. Amen. So for us as a church, even what we're dealing with in this very hour. You must be okay. And I must be okay. Come on. And be humble enough to know that we don't know. 
Amen. We must be humble enough to say we don't know everything. I would like to say I know everything about Jesus, but I don't. Amen. As much as I've studied the word, as much as I've dug into the word, as much as I live off this word, for the very air that I breathe, I still don't know enough. And I'm far from where I want to be. Because every time I dig into it, I see how much more awesome he is. Amen. So even this morning as we share and as we go into the scriptures this morning, I'm going to challenge certain stuff. But it's not for anything else but to bring us into. You see, the enemy, the Bible says, the, the God of this world has deceived the whole world. Deceived the whole world. Not a piece, not a portion. Not those outside the church. The whole world. So what you and I have to realize, because we grew up in that system designed by Him, we are going to continuously need light and truth to break every form of deception that is keeping us bound in this earth and stopping us from reaching the heights that Christ has ordained for us through His victory in the death and resurrection He experienced on the cross. So when you look at your life, and I look at my life and I see how far I am from what God wants me to experience. It's not that He doesn't want me to experience it and not that He has not made a way. It's the fact that there's something that I don't know or I'm experiencing deception in one area of my life. I'm walking in ignorance concerning something regarding the truth and that's why I'm not experiencing what He wants me to experience. Amen. So as we go this morning, I'm trusting God to break some stuff. The Bible says the word of God is like a hammer that smashes the rock. Every limitation, every stronghold in your thinking that opposes the kingdom of God and God's work in your life, I'm trusting this morning is going to be broken by the word of God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 21 verse 1 to 11. It says, now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Beth Page. Can we change the font? Sorry. It's just like I feel like I'm in the matrix. Is that a quick move? Or should we leave it? I'm going to carry on reading. You can catch up. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Beth Page at Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone, verse 3, says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Keep it there. We're going to end. They go back. So when you read the scripture and when we go back in terms of what Palm Sunday really means, what we need to understand is that this is the first time that an entire group of people, an entire crowd of people 
acknowledged him as the Messiah. When they said, Hosanna, son of David, they knew that out of the loins of David, and you see that word son of David there, as a capital S, they knew that out of the loins and the lineage of David would come the Messiah. Because it was prophesied and God promised it back to David. Are you with me? So they knew that through Judah, this Messiah was going to come in Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9. That's a prophet that spoke. It said he's going to come. He says, it says, behold your king. Not a religious leader. Not the leader of the Christians. Not some special prophet. The king is coming. The king is coming. And a king, when he comes, he comes with a kingdom. So when we dealt with Palm Sunday in our religious circles, we saw Jesus as this leader of Christianity and the Son of God and all those nice things that we like to say. But the problem is when you don't have a proper revelation and understanding of who he is, you will bring Jesus down to what you believe and not actually experiencing for who he is. Amen. So we have to break that thing. You hear me? You have to be purposeful in your pursuit of truth. So when you're dealing with him and the way they saw him as a king, as the Messiah, as the one who was promised in Genesis chapter 3 by God himself, then we need to understand that when he came in his kingdom, remember this was just a week before he was going to die. The king came to die. The king came to die. Are you with me this morning? Then we can understand, if we understand who he is and understand him in the fullness of who he is, we can understand why he did what he did. You see, because when we speak about redemption and salvation and the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection, 90% of the church is dealing with heaven. That was not his intention. When Jesus came, he came to restore man back to the original intention of God. And if we don't get back to that in our thinking, Hear me, you're blessed because you're in the church. I'm not saying we're the only church that's preaching this message. But you're blessed because we're in the church. Because this is the message that is being preached. Are you understanding me? For others it might be far away. But for us it should not be. We should be transitioning. Are you understanding me? We've been praying for you. I'm praying that God's going to break everything that's been holding people back from experiencing the kingdom of God. That's why I love the word that's being preached about covenant. I'm coming there. Don't take me there before my time. Stop it. So let's go back. You go back to the beginning. You deal with where God created heaven and earth. Now hear me. Jesus was king. He came to establish his kingdom order. If you read the gospels, you'll see how Jesus spoke about the kingdom more than anything else. Why? He came to tell us what his intention was and what he was coming to deliver as the son of God. He was coming to redeem us back into that state and that place where we live out of a kingdom that comes from heaven and not be bound to the natural circumstances of the earth. So if you go all the way to to, to Genesis, in the book of Genesis, in in Genesis chapter 1, we deal with creation. You see how God who is in heaven, amen, God who is in heaven, even the birds are singing and worshiping Him today, amen. God who is in heaven, in the spiritual realm, comes and creates a domain called earth and the universe. 
which is in the natural realm. God who is spirit and who has his home in the spiritual realm in heaven creates a domain called earth. Are you with me? And creates a natural state for what he's going to do. And I don't want to get ahead of myself once again. But God is creating what is. He's in the spirit realm. He is spirit. He is in heaven and he creates a natural place. So the earth was birthed from the spirit. That means the earth will always be subject to the spirit. The earth is always inferior to the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is superior to the natural realm. The spiritual realm has power over the natural realm. The spiritual realm is the causal realm. That means if principles are applied in the spiritual realm, it will have a direct effect on the natural. Are you with me? So when go to Genesis chapter... No, don't go there yet. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 to 3. I just want to get there. You know, you know what I mean? You know when you're on a journey, like you're going to Cape Town and you must maybe drive. And you know, you only buy Colesburg, but you just want to get there to Cape Town. That's how I feel this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 one says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen, right? For by it, the elders obtain a good testimony. Here's the scripture. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. That means the things that you see were made of a substance that you cannot see. <laughs> so everything that you have in the earth today, every resource, every piece of ground, everything that is in the earth today was made from a substance that was not seen, that came from a realm that you cannot see. It does not mean that that substance doesn't exist. That substance does exist. It's just that you cannot see it. Go to 2 Corinthians 4.18. It says, while we do not look at the things which are, but at the things which are. For the things which are seen are temporary. That means it's subject to change. It's not permanent. There's no situation. There's no circumstance. There's nothing that you're dealing with in the natural today that does not, that is, that is eternal. There's nothing that you're dealing with that is fixed in your life. That sickness, it's temporary. That thing you're dealing with in your mind, it's temporary. Your financial situation is temporary. That bondage is temporary. Why? It's subject to change. But the things which are not seen are eternal. That means the place that God created everything from came from a place that cannot be changed. Those principles and those laws, you cannot change them. They are there. Hear me? And whoever applies them will experience the change on the earth. So when God makes man in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, my favorite scripture. You'll notice when I preach nine times out of ten, the scripture will be in my sermon. It says, then God said, let us make man. In our image and our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Stay there. What was he saying? He said, God says, in the spiritual realm, not in the natural, first spirit. He says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Image, that's the God class 
born from the very same substance and DNA of God. The Bible says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God was not flesh. When he said, when he said I made him in my image, it's the spirit man. He said in our likeness, the ability to function like us as a spirit. Then you go to Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. He says, and then he formed man out of the dust of the ground. Remember? And he says, then he breathes. The man he created in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 in the spirit into that natural man. Here's the key. Man has the ability to function in a duality of realms. We can function in both. Man has the ability to function in the duality of realms. So we are both spirit and natural. When you read the Garden of Eden and what was taking place and Adam walking in assignment with God and walking in the cool of the day with God, he had access to heaven Direct access to the spirit realm, to heaven in the spirit realm, and could pull down whatever he needed and plant it in the natural. He had the kingdom because he says, let them have dominion. He says, he says me, the sovereign God, the all-powerful, almighty God, I'm going to lock myself out of heaven, out of earth, sorry. I'm going to give this man that I created, I'm going to give him authority over this earth. And through covenantal relationship, I will have access to this domain. But I'm going to give him the responsibility to take the rule that's in heaven and have dominion over the earth. God says, take everything that I have and make earth like heaven. Be fruitful. Multiply. Subdue it, fill it, subdue it, and have dominion. He says, take whatever you need and make it happen in you. That's why when he said to Adam, he said, he said, Adam, you name the animals. Adam didn't have a degree in biology. There was no book he could turn to. He could draw from the mind of God. And could say, this you, you be lion. And even when he named him, I've shared this with you before, when he named him, it wasn't him just putting a label on the lion. He, the very name that he gave, gave the character and the purpose of that animal. But where did he get it from? He got it from heaven because he could function between both. So the original intention of man is never for man to be subject to the natural. Never. When Adam sinned, he gave over, he gave legal entry and authority to the enemy to establish his kingdom. Amen. And what happened? He got locked out of access to the kingdom of heaven. Did he get locked out of the spiritual realm? No. Because he can function in duality. But the spiritual realm only has two kingdoms. Light and darkness. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. And both need man's permission to gain entry. That's why Satanists cut covenant with Lucifer. Why? So he can have access from that realm to do what needs to be done in this realm. They have a perverse form of power. Why? Because that realm 
is the cause of them. It's not that they're so powerful. It's the cause of They're tapping into a power that comes from somewhere else. The same is true in our walk with God. That's why covenants are so powerful. Because when you're in covenant with God, you're in agreement with God. You are in agreement with heaven. And when you are in covenant with heaven, you have access. You hear me? To heaven. Access to all His power. Access to all His resources. Access to everything that has been established and covenant. At that point, you have the access to it here in the earth. So when God comes to establish covenant, covenant is not a religious word. It's a kingdom word. Hear me? It's a kingdom word. What does it mean? It's God's system of administration. In the earth for his kingdom to be made manifest. Outside of agreement with him. You can never experience what he has for you in the earth. It's not possible. So you see throughout the the, the Bible. You'll see there's many covenants that were cut. Amen. You see the old covenant. You see the new covenant. Your Bible says old testament, new testament. It's actually old covenant and new covenant. Are you with me? It was God's agreement. With this institution called man that he put in place to say that when we're in agreement, this is what is going to happen for your life. Hear me, every miracle, every form of breakthrough, everything that you see from old to new, from the widow having the oil. Remember the oil in the Old Testament? That oil just never kept running out. To uh, Elisha. And Elijah, when Elijah called down heaven, called down rain from heaven, when, when you see the, the, um, the person being thrown on Elijah's grave and they're being raised from the dead, when you see Jesus and all the miracles that he performed from the lame, see, the lame walking, the blind, seeing the deaf, hearing the lame being made whole, when you see all of that taking place in the Bible, that was a result of covenant. Why? Because the agreement that they had with heaven allowed them access to the power of God in order to be, for it to be made manifest in the earth. So when we come into a season like this, where we come into understand covenant, what is God saying? God saying, I want you to get access to what I have for you. That's why the sermon title this morning is His Release. You can only release Him through your engaging and appropriating with the covenant that's God's intention hear me Jesus do you know that Jesus was functioning under the old covenant and not the new he didn't establish the new every miracle that he performed was what out of the old covenant it wasn't out of the new covenant he had access to the power of God in the old covenant hear me the old covenant wasn't faulty what was the problem with the old covenant man man was faulty there was nothing wrong with the law. The law is perfect. But man could not uphold his end of the bargain. That's why every time you failed, you had to bring a lamb or whatever it is, the requirement of sacrifice for blood to be shed, to pay the penalty for that sin, so they could have what? The Bible says so they could have the God's favor upon them for one more year. What is that? They could have got access to everything that heaven had for them because the covenant was in place. They were in agreement. They could have the release of God because of the covenant that they had. What is this year? Prophetically, but in this church. The year of His release. Why is God teaching you covenant? So this prophetic word can be made manifest in your life. 
Matthew chapter 5 verse 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law, the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. He was the only one that could. Why? Because he wasn't born out of the lineage of Adam. He was born from a seed of the Holy Spirit. His nature was not the same. His nature, he had the nature that Adam had right in the beginning, born in the image and the likeness of God. Remember, he had to release his deity. He couldn't come as God here onto this earth because that would be illegal. God had to find a, for a legal way through a person, an individual, through his creation. And one of them, Mary, had to say, yes, I come into agreement with heaven. And when she came into agreement with heaven, she received what? Heaven's seed. And when she gave birth, she gave birth to his release. That's why they could acknowledge him as king because he was born king. So it, he was the only one that could fulfill it. And that's why he experienced what he experienced under the old covenant. Because he was constantly in agreement with God. That's why he says, this is the things that I do. I sort of my own. I only do what I see my father do. And look at the miracles he performed. Yet Hebrews says that we have a better covenant. Our covenant is better than the old. Look at what Jesus did with the old. Now think about what you should do with the new. He says, greater works will you do than these. He wasn't making it up. You see, the minute you step into agreement with God, on a covenant level, everything of heaven comes to back you. Pause break. Here's the thing though. That God's not a genie. Are you with me? It's not just a rub that Bible and get your wish for the day. You know what I mean? Hear me, you can cry all you want. That crying is going to get no response from God. He will sympathize with you. He will feel with you. Because the Bible says in Hebrews... Where is that scripture? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, we, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. It says that Jesus can sympathize with you. When you're going through your struggle and your pain, He sympathizes with you. No, no, it's not happening. I, I've had moments like that, so I'm, there's no judgment here in this place. Amen. I have many moments where I cry before the Lord. You know what I mean? He doesn't do anything for me. He will console me and sympathize with me. But it ain't going to move God nothing. You can cry about that thing all you want. He will love you all day long. And you still won't experience the breakthrough. Why? Because He gave you His covenant. He gave you His word. His word is His covenant. The Bible says in Psalms 138, I think it's verse 2, it says He honors His word above his name that's the security that you have in the covenant that even if God could have a bad day think about it if God could have a bad day or if God just today didn't lust to do anything he must still do it because the limitless God limited himself by binding himself to the limitless word. 
You see, if you say, if I say, hey man, what's it? I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. God's going to come through for me. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. How are you doing, sir? I'm blessed and highly favored of the Lord. What you do? I'm trusting God. So what are you standing on? What covenant promise are you holding on to? And bringing into remembrance before the king. Tell me what you're standing on. Oh, no, 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 no. I just know God's a good God. You're going to fail. Because you haven't brought something to him in remembrance of the covenant that he cut with his son. You see, your faith, if it's resting in spiritual spooky pooky stuff, when that thing gets tested, you're going to be just as flaky. But when you're holding on to the promises of God, that's why that song, let me tell you something. That song we're singing, Christ is my firm foundation. If my wife asked me, she said, why are you playing that song over and over? This whole week, I think I must have listened to it. I'm not even exaggerating a hundred times. Why? Because I didn't want anything else in my spirit in this season. I'm trusting in you and in you alone. And you're my firm foundation. And your word is what I'm standing on, Daddy. And these things have got to break over our lives as a people, as your church, in Jesus' mighty name. I'm trusting God in the season that we can to be shown and known as the glorious church that people are going to see signs wonders and miracles birth from this house because Isaiah says he says we were what we were made for signs and wonders it's time for us to see God come onto the scene like never before you see you cannot get revelation like this concerning covenant and apostle preach covenant week of the week of the week and it's just something to tickle your fancy or to have some sort of religious experience i'm telling you god's up to something and when you come into alignment with the covenant there's a release that thing that you're dealing with in your life right now in the scope of what heaven is in the scope of the kingdom is nothing for our God but if you don't know the covenant if you don't get to know the one who promised you will always be subject to circumstance you see that's why the enemy he will put you in his system of education, health, government, his system, his design, perverse in its execution and implementation for one purpose only, to make you subject to the natural. You see, the Bible says in the book of James, says, it says, you believe God, you believe in God. He says, great, so do the demons. You see, there's a difference between knowing that he's alive or knowing that there is a God and you walking in faith concerning the covenant of God. Because the greatest, one of the greatest deceptions is the church being saved but still being bound to the natural. So when you get sick, what's the first thing you do? You go to the hospital. And then when things get so bad that even the doctors can't help you, then we pray. You know, you know, guys, I think it's actually time. Now it's time for us to pray. No, it was from the beginning. When we felt that thing in your body, you should have said, I reject this thing in the name of Jesus. This is not part of my covenantal rights between me and God. By His stripes, I am made whole. 
every day in every way I'm getting better and better in Jesus name Christ took the punishment he bore my sickness and my disease so that I don't have to we make God the last resort and therefore we come to him like he's a genie that must just solve your problems today just make a wish and then we get angry my son I said I can see it's getting a bit tight in the chest. You know what I'm saying? We get angry with God. Because why didn't God? No, why didn't you? Why didn't you? Why were you sitting week in and week under this word? This word is empowering. Let me tell you something now. I'm not talking about what I'm preaching today. I'm talking about the apostle. Week in, week out, you're receiving word that is rich. It's filled with revelation. Why are we not living at the level we should be? Why? You know, this, this week was really tough for me on so many levels. I was under so much pressure with so many things, but I was just thinking of us as a church. I'm thinking, why are we at the position we are? Why are we not living up to what God wants us to live? Because hear me, it's not even about us. Are you with me? But why aren't we breaking out of certain stuff that we should be breaking out of? Why are people stuck in stuff for so long? And it's not only here, please. It's Christians across the world. It's a problem. How can we have access to heaven and be living so under? I'm praying that God would wake you up tonight. All of us. To say, and I'm not saying you must be greedy and, uh, you know, uh, materialistic. I'm talking about breaking out of cycles. That the enemies kept families in for generations. Breaking out of mindsets that totally oppose God's will, plan, and purpose for your life. Amen. Let me go. I'm going to go into this now. That was just the foundation for the preaching this morning. Hallelujah. Now let me share what I believe I want to deal with this morning. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. There's some stuff I want to do with the morning. Go to verse 1. We're going to go through the entire verse. I'm going to see. I might just skip some spaces. But go 1 Samuel 17 verse 1. This is where David takes on Goliath. Amen. It says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered at that place which belongs to Judah. And they camped between that place and that place in that other place. Go. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up battle array against the Philistines. So you have an army on the one side, on the mountain, the Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and the Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley in between them. He says, And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze, and he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Look at this guy, he's fully kitted. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the iron spear it weighed 600 shekels, and the shield bearer went before him. He had an armor bearer. Had somebody standing before him. That shield was so big, he didn't even have to keep it. Somebody else kept it for him. Then he stood and cried out. So he comes into the valley. He says, armies of Israel. And said to them, why have you come to lie out to line up in battle? Almost like, why are you here? Who do you think you are? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. 
if he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I, I, and the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistines, they didn't even fight. There was no fight. He heard the words of the Philistine. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Why would you even listen to him? You know what I mean? Why choose one? We all run, we kill the one. Just, just saying. Anyway. Now David was the son of the Ephraim. Whatever, go, go, go forward. Next one. Go next one. Next one. Next one. Next one. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now your brothers to your brothers and ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. And carry these ten cheeses up to the captain of, the, of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news to him. Stay there. He says, Take this cheese to the captain of their thousand. Their thousand. That means they were captain over thousands. But they're scared of one person with one voice. And carry it. Go to the next one. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. So David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with the keeper, and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp of the army was going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For the Israel and the Philistines had drawn a battle. Go to the next one. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked to them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. This is thousands. <laughs> so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man come? Ask, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and he's give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood with him saying, what shall be done? Go to the next one. Go back one, sorry. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Hear me, uncircumcised means that he recognized that this one was not in covenant. Because in Abraham, when God got covenant with Abraham, he says, circumcise your children and that circumcision will be the sign of the covenant. So when God sees the circumcision, he knows that those are the ones who are in covenant with him. So David says, but who's this uncircumcised Philistine? Then David spoke to the men stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes with the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Then go to the next one. Go to the next one. Next one. Now when David's words read, which now in the words which David spoke were heard, they reported to them, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. This young boy, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth. And he and he a man from war, a man of war from his youth. You don't qualify to fight this devil. 
But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it. Hear me. He goes after the lion and the bear. And struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth when it arose against me. And I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing as defined the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who has delivered me from the poor. Listen to him. He says, the Lord who has delivered me. The Lord. He went after that thing. That thing didn't attack him. He went after that thing. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the poor of the lion and from the poor of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his arm and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with this for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose himself five small smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came out and began, began drawing near to David and the man who, before, who bore the shield went before him. So when, and when the Philistine looked out about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good, looking like Pastor Brian. So the, I'm coming to young adults. So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. So he stepped into the realm, the spiritual realm, according to his principles and his power that is perverse in the kingdom of darkness. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth and all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save a sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew, David and drew, came and when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. So David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his own sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistine saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And if you read further, they went to overtake them and overpower them and they killed him. It was a lot of scripture, but I wanted to lay the context and the foundation of the points that I want to give you now. First and foremost, David was anointed. He was anointed. If you knew in the previous chapter, he engaged with Samuel, the prophet, and the prophet anointed him and called him into his destiny. He says, you are anointed by God and you shall be king. Amen. Because the word of God will establish you, but the word of the prophet will cause you to prosper. That's why don't deny the prophets. Don't deny your prophet. If you treat him like a man, you will receive what the man's reward is. But if you treat him like a prophet, the Bible says you receive a prophet's reward. Why? Because I need the prophetic in my life to push me into the assignment that God has got for me. You see, the things we're experiencing even in our life now in, the, in art and entertainment and media was prophetically declared. 
before we moved. If you were to ask me a couple of years ago, before we even thought of anything else, if you were to say to me, Brian, you're going to go into me, I would have told you, you're crazy. God didn't call me for that. It took a prophet in our midst, which is an institution set up by Jesus himself, because he says he gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. He gave those gifts to the ministry. Why? So that they could edify and build you up for the work of the ministry. Not to sweep the house, but the work of the ministry is to take over the world. It's to have dominion. That's the purpose of the church. And in one service, a pastor gets up. I don't know where. I think it was going crazy in the service. And I think he was even on the floor, uh, preaching here on the floor. And he got up, took the keys in his hand, ran to it and says, God says, you have the keys to arts and entertainment. We didn't go look for anything. We stayed with the sheep. And one year later, I had a divine encounter with God. God spoke to me about media. And two weeks after that encounter, I got a phone call from somebody and said, listen, I want to start a business with you. I'm giving you a client that's going to give you, yeah, for every year. And this company is going to be yours and you establish it. I said, it's for my wife. He said, let you take it. I first, before I even said, yes, sorry, I phoned my prophet. I said, apostle, what do you say? He said, that's God, boy. You can see what he's done. That's God. I said, okay, cool. I'll take it. I phoned him back. I said, we're taking the company. That's how it started. You see, because when God sets up a covenant relationship between you and a prophet, it's for your prophet. Are you with me? If you, if you don't abide by those relationships that he gives you within the covenant and within his model, you're going to violate it and you won't receive what you should be receiving. The reason why I'm saying this is because we've got to wake up as the church. You cannot be dealing with a mess in the world like it's happening today. They're coming for your children. They're coming for mine. Let me tell you something now. They're not playing games. They're coming. And they're coming hard and fast. If we don't get up and do what we need to do now, it's going to be a problem. Are you with me? Because God, when He anoints you, He anoints you for purpose. That's the first point. The first point is what? We're in a fight. If you're following God and trusting God for your stuff, Nothing wrong with that. It just should never end there. You see, people are pursuing God for a point of comfort in their lives. There ain't no comfort there. The comforter will comfort you, but you in a war. You can have comfort and peace within the war, but you in a war. We're in a fight for the next generation. We're in a fight for the next generation. You see, when, 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 when Goliath came up, he said, what did he say? He said, if we win, we're taking all of you. Not the one who comes. Not the one who comes. He said, we're taking everybody. If, if I win against you, then all of you are bound and serve us. Do you understand the responsibility we have as a generation? The reason why we're experiencing what we're experiencing in our generation is because the generation that's before did not do what they were supposed to do. And this is no indictment on them. Because some have. Are you with me? And they've passed down revelation to get us to this point. But how can we have access to so much word, so much revelation, and live so far under? It can't be right. You must question that thing. You must question that thing. We must get up and say, this enough is enough. You're not going to have our children. Hear me, devil. You're not going to have our children. The stuff we're going to build is going to set them free. If you go to Judges chapter 2, you know when they took over the whole of the promised land? 
You go to Judges chapter 2, it says, it says when they, all that generation had been gathered to their fathers after another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. That's sad. They came into the promised land. They took it over. But another generation came that didn't even know God. And what happened? Bondage. Look at your neighbor and say, let it not be so amongst us. That's number one. We're in a fight, people. We're in a fight. And it's not just for the lion and the bear. You must have a personal victory. You must have a personal testimony. You must. You must have a personal victory. You must have a personal testimony. You must have the lion and the bear. Because when Goliath comes, you better have something to say. No, no, no. God who delivered me from this thing is going to deliver me from you. Let me tell you something. When we started, and even as things have progressed in, in, in media and arts and entertainment, we came into certain levels with certain stuff. And you had to see how the enemy rose up blatantly in your face to say you don't belong here. And they wanted to do everything in their power to kick us out. Literally. I'm not even talking, I'm talking literally. And we had to go back to what? No, there was a lion and there was a bear. The same God that delivered us there is going to deliver me here. The same God that brought me in my breakthrough and took me over is the same God that's going to deliver me in this situation. Hear me? That testimony that you're carrying that where God brought a breakthrough in your life, in your past, and you can still share that testimony with confidence, that thing gets standing before you today. That thing's head must come off in Jesus' name. Number two, his system is to bind the people in the natural. Go to 1 Samuel 17 verse 8. It says, this is now, this is the devil. It says, then he stood and cried out to the, to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Listen, and you, who? The servants of Saul. Incorrectly positioned. They embraced the incorrect position. They embraced it. They, they kept themselves in it. When David comes to see, what does he say? He says, you defy the armies of the living God, not the armies of Saul. He said, let's put this thing right where it must be. This has got nothing to do with soul and the natural. It's got everything to do with God most high. You see, when that thing comes up against you, it's not in your personage. Because you're hidden in Christ Jesus. When that thing comes up against you, it says that this is who you are and tries to subject you to the natural. You see, because the enemy will always come and speak stuff over you, speak word curses over you, put things in your mind. That thought is not even from you, but you embrace the thought to become natural in your attempt to deal with the problem. You cannot fix it. In your strength, you don't have the power to overcome it. So you always make you natural. And that's the thing you've got to fight against. You've got to fight against the same thing with everything on the inside of you. You should be living in the supernatural 24-7. Everything about your life should be supernatural. When they look at you, they must think you're crazy. Because you're not like them. Come on now. Everything about you, every decision that you make can be supernatural if it comes out of the mind of God. You have an anointing upon your life to deal with every devil and demon that stands before you. That's come up against your family, your household, your finances, the sphere of influence, the place that God has called. You have an anointing and an empowerment upon you. But the enemy will never tell you that. 
You see, this thing was happening for a while and then this thing reared its head again. I'm saying, why is this thing here? And I said, Lord, what is going on? And the Lord said, why are you allowing it? Don't, don't cry to me. It's then on you. Why are you allowing that thing? Are you saying that thing is bigger than you? And me in you? And you in covenant with me? And that thing's going to overcome you? No. Stand up against that thing. And say, I take authority over this place because God has ordained it. And you dare not touch my stuff, my family, my household, my home, every demonic squatter that is on my territory, that has come to take what God has assigned to me. I kick you off today in the name of Jesus. He's always going to want to put you in the natural. When you get that feeling, don't run to the sick cupboard, to the medicine cupboard, or whatever you call it. Run to the word. My son was struggling with his allergies this morning. He took a tablet. I gave him allergics. He says, yo, when last did I take a tablet? I said, my boy, it's good. We don't run to tablets. You with me? And even when you take this thing, you take it in faith. That God is my healer. God's the one who can deal with anything in my life. Not this thing. Are you understanding me? I'm not saying don't go to doctor. Please, you must deal with your own faith. You better know it's in the covenant. Are you with me? Don't not go to the doctor, but you got no word. Because you need his word and his spirit. You take the word, the Holy Spirit will say to you, don't go. When I was so sick with COVID, in my mind, the Holy Spirit said, don't go to, to the hospital. I refuse to go to the hospital. Why? The people going there, they don't come out. I said, I'm not going to that system. God will heal me. Amen. But the enemy will always try to put you in the natural. He'll always make you reason the thing. And the minute you reason something, there's no faith. Hear me. If, there's, if your reasoning is not in accordance with the covenant of God, there's no faith. Number three, Saul's armor. If you read there, you read how Saul's armor was, was laid out, right? How are you going to compete with that? How? How are you going to compete? How's your degree going to fight with another degree? Come on. How's your education going to defeat another one with more education? How's your education going to take you above the systems of this world? It's not possible. I'm not saying don't study. No, you must teach yourself the things that you need. You must better yourself. Better yourself concerning your gift, your talent. Are you with me? I don't like education and its system because it teaches you absolutely nothing. 90% of this, I tell my children also, they know. I don't school, I don't, I don't advocate school for nothing. They know it. They can't use it against you because I said, if you come with poor marks, it means you haven't applied yourself. When you go there, you learn how to learn. So that when you must learn the thing that you must learn, you know how to learn. So you train your brain. You come back with low marks, it means you haven't applied yourself. But I don't care about this stuff. You must know how to count your money. So maths is essential. You must know how to speak the language because how are you going to present yourself? How are you going to stand before kings? How are you going to stand before the... So you must understand. Biology and all this stuff is rubbish. Do you know that the medical system was changed by a man who wasn't even in the medical field? Rockefeller changed it. Why? Because he said every form of medicine must now have petroleum in it. Because who was the greatest export of petroleum? Rockefeller. 
He changed the curriculum for, med- for medicine. Changed it and said, now this is how you become a doctor. This is, what you, this is the oath you swear and it's according to this curriculum. Everything before that was natural. And they purposefully, through propaganda and through media, made natural medicine something like it was voodoo rubbish. Go study. You see, you cannot put on the armor that's in alignment with that thing and think you're going to overcome it. It's not going to work. Deuteronomy 7 verse 1, this is what the apostle has been teaching on for the past couple of weeks. It says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land to go, you go to possess and cast out many nations before you, the Hittites and all those ites. Seven nations greater and mightier than you. There was no person in their natural state that could put on that armor that could defeat Goliath. No one. Because the enemy will whoop you over and over and over if you come in your own strength. If you come in the covenant, it's a very different story. And here we end. David's faith rested in the covenant alone. 1 Samuel 17, 26. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He said what? He came into the covenant. He didn't look at the size of Goliath. He wasn't worried about the enemy. As long, hear me, as long as the enemy is uncircumcised, he's got no power over your life. Nothing. There's no power to hurt or to harm you. Go to 1 Samuel 17, 45. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. Listen here. When I went to go study about the Lord of hosts, it says hosts here is the Hebrew word Sabaoth, whatever you want to call it. S-A-B-A-O-T-H. I'm not schooled in Hebrew. The name Sabaoth comes from the Hebrew word for that which goes forth and for armies or hosts. The name Yahweh Sabaoth declares God's reign over heaven and earth and over all armies, earthly and spiritual. The Lord of the armies is with us. Again, this could be translated the Lord of powers or the Lord who is strongest of all. This military term suggesting that God is with us as a warrior God and He is fighting for us. So when you're stepping into covenant, you're releasing the Lord of hosts. Hear me, it's not even about you. The, you know, people struggle about, struggle about money and giving. Giving when you give, you are appropriating the covenant. When you sow a seed, you're appropriating the covenant. In the covenant, it says that if you give it, shall be given unto you. Good measure, praise down, shaken together, and running over shall be point you. It says that God gives seed to the sower. He says, cast your bread on the waters, and in many days it shall come back. What's he saying? He's saying when you apply the principle of seed time and harvest, there's a harvest that is due to you. Now listen to me now nicely. But the enemy does not want you to apply the principle that brings heaven's supply onto the earth 
and wants to keep you in the natural. So when you must deal with your finances and your bills, you have to deal with it in your own strength. And your salary ain't got no power to bring you into what God has got for you. You can save your whole life. You'll never come close to the prosperity that God has designed for your life. Unless you, unless you have some, I was watching something I showed Erin. I wish I could put it on Instagram. There's this girl, she says, uh, she says, do you know that if you save $1 a day, for 365 days, you will have $30,000. And then it shows another guy who's standing like this. You know those memes? That system don't work like that. You know what I mean? Uh, then everybody would be saving a dollar a day. But that system is not designed to give you the prosperity that is found in the covenant. This covenant has wealth wrapped up inside of it. And if you refuse to appropriate the covenant, you're never going to experience the stuff from the covenant. You see, when, when I bring my tithe into the storehouse, the Apostle Mishra says, it's a circumcision. A tithe is a circumcision of your finances. It's a sign of the covenant. It's a sign of the covenant. So when I bring my tithe into the storehouse, all of heaven is released into my economic situation to bring me the answers that I need. You see, when David, when David spoke to me, he says, he says, I'm telling you today that your head is going to come off you throughout the whole of stuff. His words were based in faith in the covenant. It wasn't based in now or willy-nilly. So when you speak into sickness, if it's not based in the covenant, it's not going to happen. It's got to rest in the covenant. When you study the covenant and gain understanding of the covenant and appropriate the covenant, the Lord of hosts is released into your situation. David, as a young boy, needed nothing but a sling and a stone. And all he did was what? He showed up on the battlefield in faith. Not by himself. He didn't even need the army of Israel. Because he didn't want their backing. He wanted the backing of the Lord of hosts. Let the armies of the living God stand with me as I stand today. That as I come before this enemy and I come onto this battlefield for my family, for my home, for my healing, for my finances, for the gift, the purpose, the assignment, the plan of God. When I come onto this field, I'm coming on here with the Lord of hosts. And I'm coming in covenant with God most high and Jehovah. That when I stand here today, your head is coming off and not mine. The worship team can come up. Even the situation that we were dealing with. Let me tell you something now. Those people are so subdued. And we didn't even have to do it. We didn't have to fight. I said to Aaron, I said, come. Where we fight, we fight where they can't fight. We're going to go higher. And this thing, that thing's head must come off. They're going to be hung by the very noose that they set up for you. The very trap that they set up to ensnare you. They'll be caught in their own trap. And I'm not talking about people. I'm talking about spirits. Because our, our war is not against flesh and blood but you've got to understand the day that you got saved the day that you chose to stand up the day that you chose to study the word of God the day that you chose to come to to, to a Wednesday night service you see when you come to prayers on a Saturday there's so few people here why? because the enemy is trying to keep you in the natural you don't realize that the minute when you pray the Bible says when you bind what is already bound in heaven it must be bound when you lose what is already loosed in heaven, it must be loosed. So when, you don't, when we don't engage with God in the realm that He wants us to engage as a spirit man, you will forever be bound in the natural. That's why you've got to break from that thing and today be that day. 
Hear me, today be that day. That from this moment forward, great things are happening on the one side. We're seeing God's hand, God's power. But there's still stuff on the other side that I'm saying that, Lord, why are we still sitting in this place? Why is there this fight in the heavenlies in the season? It's because there's His release that's coming. And we've got to get up and bind together. Hear me, as a church and as a people, come into one accord and in agreement and trust God in the season and say, we can apply the covenant. Hear me, it's not about you knowing all the word. Let me just say this to you. But if you take a step forward today and you say, God, I'm going to come after your covenant, I want understanding. Today, I'm going to start tithing. Today, I'm going to start sowing. Today, I'm going to start speaking your word. I'm going to watch the words that come out of my mouth. I'm only going to speak your covenant when I'm dealing with my child and my child is wayward. I'm not going to call them useless. I'm not going to agree with what the world is saying about them, but I'm going to call them into their destiny. Almighty man of valor, come forth in Jesus' mighty name and be all that God has called you to be. You see, if you submit yourself to the natural and you submit yourself to the kingdom of this world, you will never experience a break that God has got for you. But the minute you stand up, the minute you say, I'm going this way, and the minute you say no longer, you see, David says, who's this guy? Are you telling me this one is stressing all of you out? There's no way. Today we're getting up and we're fighting. Say, so let me go, I'll take him on. Why? Because the Lord who delivered me there is going to deliver me here. The Lord who brought the breakthrough there is the same God that's bringing breakthrough here. Now let the Lord of hosts come into my situation and my circumstance and break that thing in Jesus' mighty name. You may stand this morning. It's that season, it's that time, it's that moment. You can sense there's something happening in the heavens. Let me tell you something. Over this house, prophetically. There's a prophetic alignment and time that's taking place in Kingdom Life Embassy. I'm not saying it's not happening in other churches. I'm only speaking to our church this morning. But something is going on. And it's a good thing. God would not give this word if there wasn't supposed to be a demonstration of this word. I'm telling you. You can't have the word of covenant week in and week out. You can't have apostle preaching about your wealthy place and the promised land week in, week out. If there's no point of transition into the revelation and the manifestation of that word, then why would God give it? So you and I have to get up and say we're embracing everything that God has got for us in this season. We're refusing to let go. Let me tell you something. There's something so if upon your life, sir, behind, yes, you, there's wealth all over you. You're going to see in the next season, as you go with God and as you come, you guys, I've been seeing you week in, week out. You've been pressing into God's going to do something so supernatural upon your life from a wealth perspective. It's going to change the trajectory of your life. And hear me, it's not even for you. Because you see, the enemy, when he comes up against the people, it wasn't even about the one fight. It was about everybody. When you rise up, hear me, there's communities locked up inside of you. There's nations locked up inside of you. When you get up and you say, I'm going to stand and fight this devil. I refuse to accept what you're throwing in my face. Everybody that's connected to you is coming out. God's going to send people into your field that you're going to be able to deliver and bring them out of their bondage so they can walk in what God has got for them.
You don't even know what's on the inside of you. You have no idea what God has really called you to. Go look at what's happening in the world. It's a clear indicator of your assignment. God needs His church, hear me, to get up in this hour and do what He's requiring of us to do. It's time to fight people. And I'm not talking about in the nature. I'm talking it's time to fight spiritually. It's time to take the covenant of God serious. It's time to take the principles of the kingdom seriously. It's time to get up and say, God, we're not going to step back. We're not going to look back. We're not going to give up. But we're going to get on that field and we're going to fight this devil because he's not going to bind our children. He's not going to have his way. As long as we're breathing, hear me. As long as we're breathing here on this earth, we're going to walk in kingdom manifestation wherever we go. That a generation that comes after us, they will know God. They will know His power. They will know His name. They will know His presence because we chose to do what God called us to do. Amen.